Hello everyone, welcome to the Bootser Founder Podcast. My name is Havid Kahl and I talk about how you can start, run and sell a Bootser business. This episode is called How I Use Twitter and I'm going to talk about how I use Twitter. Let's get started. So today I want to talk about how I leverage Twitter to build an audience, build relationships and find opportunities. I'll talk about my overall strategy and the little day-to-day things that I do and which tools I use, just really to give you some insight into how I approach the whole medium. I started using Twitter regularly to engage with other founders and kind of talk about my work back in October 2019, just shortly after Danielle and I sold our SaaS Feedback Panda. I had around 400 followers at that point, and those were painfully accumulated over almost 10 years. It's like four to 10 followers a month kind of situation. I never tweeted much back then. I may have liked a tweet here or there, maybe retweeted something, but I wasn't a very active user. Just a year before that, in November 2018, I think I had a net negative 10 followers. So that, that's how bad I was at Twitter. But once I had decided to give Twitter a real shot, everything changed. So today, I am north of 11,000 followers. Back in June, which is around six-ish months ago, just before I released my book, I had 4,000 followers. So within a year and a month, I... Uh, I guess 25xed my follower account. And that has been a really enjoyable journey. It all started pretty much with the sale of a business and the journey leading up that, to that point. That gave me a very interesting story to talk about. And I see similar things happening on Twitter every day. Somebody decides to build a project in public. Another person has a revelation or like a decisive experience and they start sharing their story. And no matter what the story is, no matter how successful or not the founders are, people are always interested in real and truthful messages. And that's what I found from all the years of lurking and understanding that interesting accounts did that. So that's what I decided to share from the start. Real experiences packaged as short and condensed messages, you know, Twitter. I wanted to share what I'd learned without feeling pushy and like guru-like. I just really wanted to share my learnings. And I've never liked accounts that only tweet fragments of knowledge without engaging in discussions. So that's why I'm following the engagement first, then content, then sharing approach. We'll talk about that um, on all the individual steps. Above all, I want to prioritize interacting with other founders, other entrepreneurs, right? Then I want to share my experiences and learnings. And finally, I want to lift and amplify other people's messages. So let me share how I approach each of these things. Let's start with engagement. I have two rules when it comes to engaging with other Twitter accounts, and those are engage everyone, no matter the follower count. And the second one is engage to empower, not to debate. I will talk to every person who has something interesting to say. Whether they joined Twitter in 2009 or yesterday, doesn't matter. As long as I sense that somebody has the founder community's interests at heart when they communicate, I will reply to their tweets or quote tweet their content. It's really that easy. What I won't do is dive into unreasonable debates, like bike shedding or going into these debates, like where you debate for hours on a minuscule point. There will always be people who thrive on conflict and they will attempt to focus my attention on themselves. And once I notice that, I usually retreat from a conversation. That doesn't mean that I don't discuss polarizing topics, right? I'll defend my point of view, but I try to always do that from a position of empowerment. 
I have often deleted a draft reply because it turned an exploration of a topic into a battle of rhetoric. And in these cases, I carefully try to reflect on how I can give a reply that does two things, that shows the person that I'm talking to that I appreciate their opinion, even when I don't share it, and more importantly, how I can also show the community that will read the conversation that there's something useful to learn from the exchange. Twitter is a public medium. I consider discussions on Twitter to be akin to like a panel discussion at a conference. Respect for the other panelists and an awareness of the audience that listens is integral to a good panel. That's how I expect people to behave on a panel. And I think it's the same for Twitter. I behave the same way there. Every public discussion is like a panel of experts, even though sometimes people may not be the expert that they claim to be or want to be, that includes myself, but it still is a public discussion and it needs to be treated as such. Empowering people that is something that I really want to do. And it also means that I actively seek tweets and replies that I can retweet for reach for those people, right? For the people who originally tweeted or wrote those kind of replies. If a founder is looking for help, I amplify that question by just retweeting it. Don't necessarily answer it because sometimes I don't know what it's about or don't know the answer. I just retweet it and then other people see it. If those founders are celebrating a win, no matter how small, I share that tweet so that other people can celebrate it with them. I know from my own experience that sometimes all you need for a big win is that one person to see your work, right? You just need that one, one person to see it. And then something happens. That's what I want to make possible. That's what I want to use my own reach for is for other people to find that person and then have this wonderful experience, a new business opportunity, or just somebody cheering for you can make your whole day. And making other founders more visible is fun. It's just super enjoyable for me. And it doesn't cost me anything other than a click or two. And it generates a lot of interesting conversations and connections. And let me talk about content next, because I mentioned that's like the second part and it kind of weaves into this. I've been writing articles and newsletter and recording a podcast every week since I started using Twitter, right? And that's November, December, 2019. And every week I post a link to each of these pieces of content on the day that they are released or scheduled to be released because, you know, I pre-tape the podcast and I pre-write the articles, but you know, you can schedule and I'll get to that. I'll get to scheduling and and the third part here. I learned that linking to the content is the most important thing, but also linking to a location where people can find more is equally as important or almost equally as important. Whenever I link to a newsletter episode, which I publish on my blog as a static page, as well as the original email that's being sent out, I add a reply tweet that links to the newsletter signup page, right? So you have a newsletter, the the actual shared episode, and then another tweet with the newsletter signup page. Make Just make it easier for people to go and find out more. When I share a blog article, I link to the newsletter and a follow-up tweet as well, because, you know, my articles go out as newsletters. So if people are interested in more, they can either read the article and sign up on the, for, to the newsletter then, or when they go, once they go back to Twitter, they can then sign up to my newsletter from there. Giving people the option to learn more or sign up with just one click has generated a good amount of traffic And it's just really helpful because sometimes people are looking for this information. So it's good for it to be there. Threads on Twitter are very useful too. They allow me to share the key points of the articles that I write as some form of a teaser. I start with a tweet that introduces the theme of the article and includes a link to my blog. And then put a couple follow-up tweets in the thread, um, which go into detail and raise interesting questions that I answer in the piece. 
And then finally, I close it off with a tweet um, with the article's link. Again, in the end, one thread, two identical links, one in the first, one in the last a tweet in the thread. And it usually converts people who are either interested in the beginning or interested once they read through the questions. Um, and I also, uh, this is another like a kind of tactic that I use. I take a day every few weeks to write some standalone tweets. Right? Because most of the time I just reply to things or I find interesting links and I tweet about them immediately. But sometimes I just want to create some content that I can share um, that is like a standalone tweet. And those often cont contain quotes from my book or my articles or things that I've jotted down in my notes over the weeks that I didn't get to share before. And whenever I talk about a topic that I've written about before, I create a thread that has the quote in the first tweet and then a link to my book or my blog where readers can find out more information in a follow-up tweet, which usually pulls in a lot of interested people's traffic onto my blog as well. And um, I don't really care much for the number of likes or retweets of my shared content. What I care about most is engagement. Whenever somebody replies to my tweets, I make sure to reply and make sure to like the reply and give them a meaningful response. It's often just an expression of gratitude because people tell me, yeah, I agree, or yeah, thanks for this, right? And then I say, well, thank you, that's really nice. Um, but every now and then, somebody asks a question and I get to reply to it. And that's what I care about, starting a conversation and then having it, right? Not just starting it and, not, and ignoring it, but actually having the conversation. And this allows me to be consistent, right? It shows my followers that I'm worth engaging because I actually respond so I see people sharing my tweets more and more because of this, and I tweet more, they share more. It's just really amplifying each other. And since we're talking about sharing, let me get to that. Most of what I share is automated, and that's a good thing. I use Hype Fury, that's a Twitter scheduling app, and whenever I write a tweet, a draft, I put it into Hype Fury as quickly as I can because it's a nice central repository for all my stuff. And there... I can also set an automatic follow-up tweet that gets added once a few likes have trickled in. I use that usually for things, like I said, when I uh, have a quote tweet and then I have something like written about this in my book or my blog, I put that in there as an automated follow-up tweet. And Hyperi also automatically retweets my tweet six hours after I post it. And that's important. That has been instrumental because it brings me to the most important point in all of this. I live in Berlin and my main audience is North American. Right? North American founders, indie hackers, people, entrepreneurs. So when I start my day here at 9 a.m., it's somewhere between midnight and 3 a.m. in the U.S. And that's not a good time to tweet because nobody is up to read it. But my second biggest audience, however, is India. And it's already 1.30 p.m. there at that point when it's 9 a.m. in the morning here. And that's a good time to tweet. So that's why the six-hour retweet delay is so powerful. The people who are already awake in other parts of the world and working or doing whatever they do, they get the original tweet. And the people from the other time zones get the retweet once they open Twitter. So scheduling like this is key for me because I have this globally distributed audience that I want to reach. And honestly, I, don't, I just don't want to be in front of Twitter on my computer to post a tweet, right? Particularly not with um, having multiple tweets that I want to send out in a day at multiple times. I don't want to be in front of my computer at that point. I can organize that ahead of time. And in fact, over Christmas in 2020, I had 40 plus items queued up in my Hype for EQ. So I could just really spend Christmas with Danielle 
and still create interesting tweets and share interesting links for the people who might not celebrate this holiday. Consistency is key. And tools, scheduling tools really help with that. So whenever I find an interesting tweet that I want to share, I make an initial choice for the retweeting. I can instantly retweet it or queue it up. For conversations that are ongoing or time sensitive, like where people ask questions that they need to be answered quickly, I usually retweet it right there and then. But for timeless things, things that I could send out next week and it would still be great, I find the next slot on Hypefury and queue it there. This might mean that the tweet won't be retweeted for a couple days. And I only have 10-ish slots in a day that I fill and they fill it quite quickly because there's lots of interesting stuff. But that's fine. And it allows me to load up on content for days when I know that I'll be busy. Just, it's like time boxing, right? It gives me the opportunity to spend an hour finding interesting things, scheduling them, and then, well, I don't need to do that over the next couple hours so I can focus on writing or whatever I want to do. And that's the power of automation, right? It creates certainty, opportunity, and it just allows for an organized approach to this communication channel. So let me share a little tactic that I've used to find quality followers because I want to talk about followers at this point. I regularly use the SparkToro fake followers checking tool. That's really nice with my account to get some insight into my followers' quality. Right? They kind of rank the amount of um, the followers that you have for how often they engage, how likely they are bots or you know, just really quality of followers. And right now it's quite high, the, the um, quality of my followers. I don't want it to stay like that. So followers who are actually invested in what I say and who share my tweets are what I'm looking for. And I usually get those by following people who like replies to my tweets. I tweet, someone replies, and their followers react. This implies some sort of transitive connection, right? which seems to increase the likelihood that those people follow me back because they know the person that followed me and now we interact, so I'm worth following. And that really is a, is a good way to get quality followers. Follow those who interact with those who interact with you. So when I follow somebody, I make sure that their bio checks out. That's pretty much the only thing I do. If they have a description that shows that they're interesting, doesn't have to be that they are founder, but just really interesting people and a non-default avatar picture. So you kind of see that they put in some effort and, and have at least a handful of followers. I'm quite likely to follow them immediately. When they're particularly new accounts, I make sure that they're not bots, but that's pretty much it. I can always unfollow them if they act weird in the future. I follow those who engage with me. And that's pretty simple, right? You shout me out on Twitter, I follow you. You link to my book or my content, I follow you. You say something that I find interesting and insightful, I follow you. That approach has served me well. And a lot of interesting conversations and learnings have come from that. I have yet to dive into Twitter lists as a concept of following people. I see more and more people do this. I follow a few of those lists, but I haven't really done much about this myself. It's something I want to tackle in the future. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much how following works for me. Let's talk about one more thing, and that is platform risk. I've seen many Twitter accounts being banned for many numerous reasons, and they lost all their followers in one swoop and had to rebuild. And no matter the reason, if it's justified or not, the risk is real. Twitter owns the platform, they own the profiles, they own the connections, they are and they own the network. For that reason, I am glad that I have the newsletter 
the many thousand subscribers on that list will always be accessible to me, no matter what happens to my Twitter account. And I recommend actively attempting to diversify like this from the start, right? Giving you the option to have access to people even if the platform would go away. Twitter probably won't implode, just like MySpace did. But there is always the risk of being deplatformed as a person on the platform. And I have the list to fall back on and rebuild if I needed to. Even though I hope I'll never have to do it, it's good to have it. So Twitter is an incredibly useful platform for making connections and allowing you to build relationships both inside and outside of Twitter. I'm glad I invested all this time into it so far and it has created ample opportunities either in public conversations or in DMs. It's a great tool for exchanging knowledge and empowering others. And honestly, I just really hope to see you there. Um, you likely already follow me, but if you don't, follow me on Twitter at avidkal, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. We can connect. And um, it's just super exciting for me to follow founders because there's always something coming up. I mean, I'm following at this point six or 7,000 people. So my Twitter stream is usually quite full of interesting stuff. And just seeing all these journeys happening in real time is extremely interesting to me. It's just super exciting to see people struggle and work um, with or through their problems and with their customers. It's just super exciting. Let me let me talk about two more things here. Um, one is evergreen tweets um, and the other is DMs. Quickly, evergreen tweets. That's a feature that Hype Fury has as well. It essentially allows you to select a couple of your tweets that you've written in the past that have performed really well. They are um, then kind of interspersed randomly throughout the day as a retweet. So I, I have a couple of tweets that got me a couple thousand likes a month ago or two or like half a year ago. And every now and then they get automatically retweeted by Hype Fury. And that kind of keeps them in the loop and creates new engagement on those tweets, new people asking questions, new people sharing it, new people exposing this tweet to their network. That creates a lot of interesting followers, high quality followers for me too. So that feature is pretty much tweeting on autopilot. And it's something um, that, that Hefiri and, and other Twitter scheduling tools offer. And it's super, super interesting because it just really gives those tweets even more impact, right? You write it once and it does the work for you over time. And that's really cool. Finally, let me talk about DMs. Um, Twitter direct messages. There's been a couple. Uh, there's been a couple of people that have said that the magic of Twitter doesn't happen on Twitter. It happens in the DMs, right? It happens in the messages that you send back and forth with people. And I would agree. Like you can literally DM most people that you follow, provided that they follow you back or that they have their DMs open. And the conversations you can create there are incredibly meaningful. I'm saying reach out to people that you find interesting. It's pretty much what I'm trying to say and have a conversation with them. Sometimes they will have a conversation with you. Most of the times they will. And sometimes they won't, right? Um, the moment you reach a couple thousand followers, DMs turn quite spammy because it's just a lot of them. But it is always an opportunity to connect. And if you use DMs right, if you reach out to people, not immediately asking for something, but really starting a conversation, you can build a relationship with anybody on Twitter that allows for DMs to come in. Like you can literally reach out to your favorite founder, to your favorite investor, to your favorite person on Twitter and start a conversation in the DM. And that is magical because 
like I said, it creates opportunity. Just having a conversation with somebody, just telling them thank you for a retweet or for an engagement, an interesting conversation somewhere, that can open the door to further interesting conversations down the line, maybe opportunities to work together, to do something. It's just um, a really, really easy way to reach the people that you're interested in and that are interesting to you. So DMs are, I think, one of the hidden features of Twitter that most people don't actively use, maybe because they're scared to reach out or because they don't know what the etiquette is. And I think that's important to understand. I mean, there's um, a lot of Twitter courses that out there that explain to you how to do this best. But to me, it's really just be a friendly person, have a person-to-person conversation, like a human conversation, make a connection, and don't immediately ask for something, but just really have a conversation, build a relationship. And that happens on Twitter in many different ways. DMs are one way to do this as well. So yeah, Twitter has been great for me, obviously. I mean, I, I grew 400 followers into 11,000 and then some. And um, maybe as an interesting aside, how you can actually turn this into sales, because many people consider an audience as a vessel or a vehicle to do sales. Um, I would say Twitter is a great way of generate generating demand for your product and validating demand, right? Because many people um, who create info products in particular use Twitter to just see, is there potential demand for my product? They create a pre-order page to a product on Gumroad or on, on some other platform, and then they just throw it out there to their audience and see how much of it sticks. And depending on how retweetable and shareable that tweet is, it will reach a pretty large share of your market, of your uh, potential audience, outside of your own following. And then you can see um, pretty easily, is there enough to warrant me actually creating this product? And that is really cool. When I wrote my book, um, Zero to Sold, it was the result of consistently interacting with people on Twitter over half a year. Right. I started in November, I really wrote all these articles, and then at some point in February or January, I understood, okay, there's more here, I could condense this into a book, and more conversations happened around this on Twitter, and people just kind of guided me to where they wanted the product to be, and then in June, I just sold it, I just started selling it to Twitter. Twitter was my launch, essentially. I had a product hunt launch the day after, but Twitter was my main launch pad, I guess, for the book. And the tweet that I sent there announcing the book, announcing the sales landing page and just really, it was a big thread of me telling the story of how it came to be and what it contained. That is still one of my um, most yeah, most shared tweets, the tweets with the most engagement. It's also my pin tweet because I feel it's just the one that I want people to see. Um, and that is consistently generating sales. Like it just being there, it just being some retweeted. Like somebody retweets it like once a day, maybe just because they see my profile, they see it, they retweet it. it. Just happens. So it still generates sales. Ever since June, right? I did not have a day where I didn't sell a book since June uh, 2020, and it's now late, yeah, early 2021, I guess. So the consistent nature of generating sales and generating demand for what you do and what you sell is built into the Twitter community as well. And you can leverage that if you just make it easy for people to share the thing that you want other people to see. 
And if it's just consistently interesting to engage with, because then people will engage with your stuff. And I think I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for listening to the Boots of podcast today. You can find me on Twitter, <laughs> unsurprisingly, at avidkahl, A-R-V-A-D-K-A-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootsofrano.com. You can find my book, Zero to Sold, at zerotosoldbook.com. And if you have any questions about this episode, reach out on Twitter or send an email to arvid at thebootsofrano.com. If you want to support me and the Boots of Founder podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. It'll help other founders or founders-to-be to find this podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling their bootstrap businesses. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.